More bears. I think I can make that happen. Bear, please stop! Please refrain from shooting lasers onto the field. A little bit cheeky with it. It is about that intro, Matt. Yes, it's important, and I just thought of it. When he says "stop shooting lasers on the field," isn't that from a game that we played on Facebook Live? Am I wrong? I think that is a game that we played directly. I'm I'm pretty sure that game was on TV. I don't think Facebook Live existed when that game was broadcast. All right. Well, that's all I got. Evan, uh, speaking of um, progressing through the ages and and becoming something you didn't even expect. I don't know. There's like I I was trying to aim it like some sort of Facebook evolution into something right. greater, but then I didn't want to like something some something meta. Oh, there you go. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. but I'm going to scrap that and what I will do <laughs> is I will say that to help us process a lot of the feelings we're having as a fan base, myself as an individual, you apparently not so much. We do have a special guest. You are a thousand, literally a thousand miles away. We do have a guest on, a friend of the pod, Shehan Jayaraja. Thank you so much for joining us today. We need help. I was pretty mad last week. (laughs) Um, I uh, I will jump in. I will jump in. I'm pretty (laughs) sure I remember right. The Lasers game was on the road against Rice in 2016. Yes. And the Facebook Live game was, I believe, a UTSA game. It so was. I, okay. I believe that was a year or two later. No, but that was that one was also funny because was that, oh my gosh, was that the game that the former Baylor coach was he in? He was the there. <laughs> yeah. And I'm they ran him out. Sure. <laughs> and they shot lasers at him, apparently. <laughs> I remember there were pictures of him just sitting there. And I will say, I've been seeing a lot of pictures of him over the last years. Let me just say, he looks like shit. <laughs> he does. He looks worse. He looks like one of those ugly dogs that wins, like, the uh, the ugly dog in the year competition. You know, talking about? You, you know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? I'm going to and... no comment the hell out of every. Why does his coat her. look like that? It just, <laughs> is somebody brushing him on a regular basis? What is happening? All right. <clears throat> yes, you are I, absolutely correct. I will say, the, the one thing I've been disappointed about is with all these pictures and all these random shirts and all these different locales, I was hoping that one would finally catch him slipping in short sleeves. But still nothing, man. It's crazy. Nothing. Nothing. Mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah, that's a brand you can't break. Well, Utah did catch Baylor um, short a number of different times. Mm. I um, I went to the game. It was stupid hot. at some point we have to reckon with whatever that was please give me your understanding of what happened not even this weekend the result was whatever the result was but this week this last weekend in context with whatever happened with texas state as well i i need to know what's inside of your head about the program in general right now well it's really interesting because I do think that in a lot of ways, those first two weeks were completely different products. And I think I generally mean that in a positive way. Yeah. I do think that 
you know, week one, you come out and I mean, the lines just look like absolute crap, right? Absolutely terrible. Obviously, mm. the, the pass blocking is a disaster. The run blocking is non-existent against a Texas State team that might be able to do some things, but probably not get after the power five starters at quarterback. That probably shouldn't be among them. Um, you know, but the, the other thing that I'll say is obviously, you know, TJ Finley and and that Tech State offense was able to get downfield and, and they're going to do that all year long in a different way than Utah. But like Baylor's secondary played pretty all right in, in I think that game, even taking into account, obviously, uh, the, the opponent and the limitations that they had. But I think overall, even when you look at the screen stuff, even when you look at, uh, you know, all this sort of stuff, I thought that they played pretty well. So I think what it leaves me feeling more than anything else is confused about how I evaluate where the product is. Because I do think that it's not as bad wholesale as it was week one. I think that what week one is kind of something that happened. Um, and one thing that I'll mention is you think back to 2021, Baylor ironically plays a much worse, by the way, Texas State team mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. the road. Uh-huh. And the offensive line takes a while to get going. I think that this is one of those things. And, and, you know, I've talked to Jeff Grimes about this before. It's hard to rep live reps with a wide zone offensive line because nothing in practice you can do can really simulate it and simulate the way that people are going to attack it. And I think that that's just going to be part of it. Week two, I think the run blocking was a whole lot better. I think it'll continue to get better. By the way, literally, according to PFF, the best <laughs> run blocking game in the Grimes Baylor era, which don't know if I kind of blows kind of blows <laughs> my mind. By whatever metric they're using, yes. yes, yes, the best one. Sure. No, and and I think it was a lot better. Obviously, the penalty still an issue. Uh, one other thing to mention is they rotated through, and this isn't just an offensive line thing. Across the roster, they rotated in a, a whole bunch more young players, and. Uh, you know, I, I wish that I could give a shout out to Coppell's own Alvin Ebisele in a more positive way. Obviously, I had like three false starts in that game. But, you know, other than that, I thought he did play pretty well. Yeah, I was about I to say, he, other than the other than the freshman mistakes, like he played well. Right. You're right. And so, and, and I think that for me, when I look at that second game, and obviously we're, we're monologuing, we're rambling a little bit here. But I, I think that I more than anything from week one to week two am encouraged by the young guys who were able and allowed to play how they performed because obviously i think one of the biggest criticisms so far of the aranda era is you're just doing it with rules players right like you're just doing it with guys who are already here well trey wilson that's a baylor uh dave aranda recruits you know kyler jordan who had the interception that's an aranda recruit uh you know alvin abasele a a baylor aranda recruit and, uh, and even uh, uh, Jonah Wilson at receiver, right? That's a Baylor recruit. And so I think that, look, I had very little feel, I felt like, for Baylor coming into the year. I could have seen a, an upside. Obviously, what, you guys picked them to go 11-1? and one, whatever, Look, all right, I said it last week. It was a joke, <laughs> okay? Well, it was very <laughs> funny in hindsight. It was not very funny. It's getting funny. even funnier, Matt. It's one but, of your best jokes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know, but, but obviously I didn't know whether the downside was going to be as low as it was in that first game. I think that after the Utah game, I'm settling somewhere in the middle. I think that this is a team yeah. that's decent that will be able to compete with a lot of teams. The other issue too 
in terms of Baylor and their season is they have a pretty difficult schedule, all things exactly. considered. But, you know, I was texting some some Baylor friends about this before. Uh, for me, you look at last year. Last year, they go six and seven. It was a pretty senior team on both sides of the ball. Yeah. And to be mediocre and old is the worst thing you can do in college football. If they were to rotate in more young guys, right? I mean, obviously they brought some older transfers, some of whom have contributed, but a lot of the guys who are playing well right now are guys who are going to grow over the course of the year that are going to develop, not just this year, but over the course of next year too. And I don't want to like already play the wait till next year game, obviously with this team, right. but I do feel like after week one, I was like, you are playing so many veteran players who are apparently bad. And if that's that... the case, then what are we doing here? Right. Whereas after week two, I feel like, okay, you know, look, obviously, I mean, for a thousand reasons, Hitler should have won the game. I mean, they, they should have won the game. And to be in that position while playing a bunch of guys who are making freshman mistakes, but are clearly talented, are clearly getting better. I think that after last week, when I look at the totality of, of kind of the, the Aranda thing and the Grimes thing and the Powledge thing, I feel a lot better about where this program is after week two. I think so. So what I felt after week two, if we're, if we're going to try to stay positive here, I can take the one piece of paper and tack it to the wall that says we have the players, right? Baylor has the players to be some modicum of successful that that I am not as concerned about anymore the the defensive second the secondary actually really impressed me especially with the youth that was out there well yeah extremely well so the players was my first concern with Texas State dang maybe our transfer portal strategy is completely off maybe we didn't bring in any talent whatsoever but then after seeing everybody play the thing that I can't you're making me feel better about it though but just with the the coaching decisions and i realize that i'm hyper focusing on one particular piece of the game from saturday the pullback dive oh no that, that was, was two weeks ago that was two weeks ago from <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna defend that, yeah, that, that i mean nasty. and it's ex- kind of an extension line tosses we've done we've had some pretty stinky some pretty stinky about short a, yardage decision making yeah i mean what about a, a first and goal sweep into the short side of the field <laughs> But it happened again on the exact drive. Exactly. It's it, that happened on the exact drive that I'm talking about. It was the first drive of the second half. We, we just the, the, we run the ball at the right times and the right ways we get creative. We had a tight end split out wide, bring him back in absolute perfect lead block. And then we take a shot exactly when we need to on the left side of the field, we get to first and 10, like on the 10 first and goal. And we split out five wide into an end around, okay, gains two yards, whatever. And then instead of leaning on the thing, and this goes back, Evan, this goes back to the thing about, I feel like I'm being lied to with the reliably violent offense, right? We throw two goal line fades now, but Sawyer Robertson was hurt. Okay. Why are we throwing two goal line fades? But Dominic Richardson was also hurt that that drive. Okay, fine. So why don't we have three running backs on the roster that we trust instead of two? And I understand things happen before the transfer portal or after the transfer portal closed and stuff. It just feels like 
we either don't know what the true identity is, you know, monikers be damned or not, or we're not staying true to it. And it's just, it feels like there's a lack of confidence sometimes with how Grimes calls plays. I think he's great. I think the wide zone can be successful. Do you have concerns about the scheme or the play calling or the tactical piece of this coaching staff? No, I mean, I do think that one piece, and I think that this is an above Grimes thing, I think this is an Aranda thing, is you do feel moments where they outthink themselves. Absolutely. And I think that, uh, you know, when I look at Grimes, the the base scheme stuff, I, I frankly... I think it works. I think it's great. Yeah. I think that he is very good at it. I have, you know, people are going to obviously after this performance, by the way, against one of the best defenses that Baylor's played in a very long Needs time. Needs to be remembered yeah. often. Like, people want him gone. I One, did you watch week one? Like, it was fine. Like, offensively, that was not the issue. Like, I get it. I get the consternation. Right. But, like be serious and the second which by the way like ron roberts the second he's gone he's gonna have another power five job just mm-hmm. maybe a head coaching job you never know maybe yeah yeah and um in fact like i think uh just just knowing grimes a little talking to grimes a little bit like i think that he could have easily have left oh last absolutely year or the year before that and yeah. you know he obviously has a, a son who's on the roster right now he's got a son who's committed to play football at Baylor. I think he just likes being at Baylor. He's from Garland, by the way. Like, so mm-hmm. he, I think he's just happy where he is. Mm-hmm. And so, so just, just to put that like away, that's not going to happen. Also, I think it, it doesn't need to happen. By no, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Now I do think that when you're looking at it and when you're looking at his individual decision-making, a lot of what they do is trying to set up something else. That's that's just how the offense works in a lot of ways. And, but but I know I think that there are moments in that where it can't be about three plays from now. I think you... that when you're facing first and nine, you can't be setting mm-hmm. up. Well, we got to make sure that the defensive backs are crashing the the boundary side of the field. So that whenever we run, you know, wide zone this way, it, it, like I understand the math and physics of it, but like in those moments, sometimes you, like you only get the one play. You don't yeah. get Take three the or four. Right. And so <laughs> I do. But but again, I think that a lot of that is uh, is above Grimes. I, th- I, I think that that's part of his philosophy on things. Right. Like I do think that he wants to set things up. He wants to get. And by the way, we we talk about some of these great offensive coordinators, by the way, too like a Lincoln Riley, like a Ryan Day, in what they set up in advance. I right? know, I, I know. But, of course, <laughs> in, those, in those moments, right, you have to, I think, do a better job of having something that you can rely on. That Baylor game against Utah felt like it was called in a way that did not feel like they had anything to rely on, if that makes sense. I, it I don't it think felt that... like it was called, and I don't want to say scared, because that's actually not what I mean. It, it feels like it was called with a lack of confidence. And look, maybe there was legitimate reasons that Grimes was absolutely smarter than me. I'm not saying I'm smarter than him. Maybe there are legitimate reasons, and he could game theory it out and put it on a whiteboard for me and show me why nothing I'm saying would work. Mm-hmm. I'm open to that. But when you have a drive that you are averaging, what, three, four yards a carry, well, guess what four times two is? 
you only need eight yards and a wide. <clears throat> here's a little tidbit. A wide receiver on this team has not caught a touchdown yet. That's crazy. <laughs> That's pretty wild. Yeah. Um, here's, here's my thing. Yeah. I don't know if I'm so doom and gloom. I think when your defense shits their pants against Texas state, like we're not parlaying that into a, into a playoff bid, go throw some shit at the wall against Utah and see what works. I think we're fine, Matt. Here's the thing. I think we're fine. <laughs> I think here's what I really think. I think our actual like positioning in the Big 12 is the same as everyone guessed it would be like four weeks ago. Probably going to finish between sixth and eighth. Probably going to give a couple bad teams a transitive loss to Texas State. Probably going to get washed by Kansas State. Probably going to scare Texas. Probably fall apart in the fourth quarter. We're fine. Evan, this, this is, is what we do. Heartbreaking. No one goes, literally, no one goes from we've gone from worst to first more than like ninety percent of the Big Twelve has ever landed first. I'm they have broken you. You are too comfortable in life. The they thing. have broken that's you. The thing, though. They Last time we stunk, I didn't have shit going on. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm busy. They have gone from worst to first. I think the issue is you don't want to settle at six i i don't want to do that i think that it's easier to make changes and some wholesale changes when you're at worst than it is when you're at fine and now Mm. i do think at the same time again you go i think that Texas state loss is still like a oh this is like we got to do something about this right? right and you see again more young players transition in. You see them be a little more aggressive early in the game. Uh, obviously, I mean, it's crazy to look at their per play, their per drive stats after Sawyer has that potential injury on that drive. They yes. they just were like, oh dear. And, you know, you look at, uh, you know, obviously Travis Ritter does a great job of breaking down some of the, the film after the game on Twitter. Y- you see like, oh, that zip is is gone right like it is not which i I do also feel like at that point well then isn't there a reason that you brought rj martinez on to potentially be a third Mm -hmm. string to at least you know and and i get it like you want to win that game you want to have a chance and and you think that maybe roy uh, robertson gets gives you the best chance but it's i mean they right now on offense They've had a lot of bad breaks. Obviously, the weird Quill and Jones thing, the Tay McWilliams uh, having a medical retired thing, retire thing. Uh, oh, I just learned that. Yeah, he he's got two. <laughs> I come on, man! I, I have to cover the whole country, and I know what's going on. What's going on? But uh, you want to you want to talk some Middle Tennessee, man? I can do that too. But uh, I think uh, I think that. And then you look at obviously quarterback. You've had two injuries your two top guys have dealt with injuries mm-hmm. and so like again i i think that there's nothing structurally flawed about their plan and like like you said you got to find a third running back i think that guy is going to be dawson pendergrass probably i'd like to see yeah. jordan jenkins get a little bit more touch i mean maybe maybe he's not ready i don't know um i mean i've been I, i'm not gonna pretend that i have like a ton of inside info on jordan jenkins necessarily but i'd it, like to see him if there is a week where you need to test to see if a player is ready or not yeah this is a week where they have to get on the field liu needs to be a testing ground for anything that you need to test before next week uh before the week we don't lose seven in a row we might lose six in a row matt rule did it (laughs) david randa should be allowed to do it we don't lose seven in a row 
So that's all I'm saying. So in one fell swoop, Shahan like gathers some perspective and displays it in front of me and I start feeling better. And then Evan reminds me of the one objective stat that means more than anything else. And that is losing, winning or losing the game. And, um, I'm, I'm willing to focus more on the two losses in a row than the six and, and we'll absolutely for sure. 100% get a win versus LIU. Um, I don't, just don't worry the, the, the jets got their win this week. Sharks can't take it too. Exactly. Oh God. <laughs> exactly. Matt. Oh my Long God. Long Island about to be in hell. We need to turn up the heat on Long Island. Who are they? The Sharks. We should have got a Long I we should have got a Long Island fan on here and ran up the score on them. We should have we got a Long Island the fan on here. Yes, we and, do and need to restore. And this isn't even this isn't even the good one that maybe could have had Tori and Prince. This is a completely different one. Exactly. Uh -huh. This isn't uh -huh. the one with uh, that that produced Jared Verse, the FSU standout. Now this is this is an Albany. Albany. Yeah, yeah. This <laughs> isn't Albany. This is this is LIU. Um, okay. We're talking about the worst borough. Come on, get real. They're going. They're going down. <laughs> I'm predicting a 63 to nothing route. <laughs> how how do the last two weeks change, if at all? your expectations for conference standings for this Baylor team? Yeah, I mean, so we're going to learn a lot in a lot of ways from mm -hmm. that Texas game, right? Because yeah. I do think that what I wanted to see from the Utah game, which I felt like after Texas State, I still felt like they had a chance to win, was I want to see them compete physically in the trenches against a really good Utah team. I mean, I think that... Again, we talked about the offensive issues last week. A whole bunch of the offensive issues are, oh, God, we're not going up the middle on this team. Right. And they're, I mean, Kansas State is maybe the one other that's to that level. We'll obviously see kind of once Texas enters conference play. You know, Texas was a little better on the edge than up the middle. But, I mean, so so I was encouraged by the way that they held up. And so when I look ahead, the, the issue with the Big 12, especially this year, is that everybody's like, pretty good like not yeah not necessarily exactly awesome, but like everybody's like oh you didn't show up today we're gonna beat you by two touchdowns and this i think is going to be as much of a mental run as it is a physical run and i, I mean look i i don't mean to bring up any bad memories oh god in 2016 baylor plays texas throws their biggest punch and lose and then we mm. all know what happens. And so they lost five more. <laughs> they lost five more. Uh, and we Bryles don't talk about any of the that details. Bonus we do not, and they hung it up. <laughs> we I'll do not talk need about to talk it. about any more details. <laughs> but I think that I think that that two week run. Actually, I'll, I'll throw in the third week. Right, you get Texas September twenty third at UCF, who's going to be, by yeah. the way, without their starting quarterback. That's a huge it, deal. Has the time frame been established it, at this point? A couple weeks is what they um, said. It is almost yeah. certainly going to be the case. I, I think so. And I'm well, in yeah. Orlando. I took. I went and saw the stadium today. Wow. It looks ready for an L. I don't think that we're leaving there without a win. So, well, Lucif. <laughs> but then, That's what it's gonna then be. that next week, they got Texas Tech at home. And the thing is, right? I mean, obviously, Texas is likely a loss. We'll see. I, I think they'll be able to compete. We'll see exactly how much. Go on, you know, that road game against UCF, that home game against Tech. 
if you lose all three of those, like we are in disaster zone, right? Like we yeah, are in. It's bad. Like, we're doing stuff that I said that West Virginia was going to be doing with Neil Brown, and that's mm-hmm. not a compliment whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And so, I think that they it, it, then you head into the bye. But if you get at UCF, if you compete well against Texas, and you have another good showing against Tech, not it doesn't necessarily have to be a win, but like if you have though. a good show. All right. Yeah. Sure. I mean, if you win that game, I mean, they've, they've played well against uh, Tech at home historically. I don't mm-hmm. think that Tech is doing anything talent wise that even a lessened Baylor can't deal with. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, will so say, I was impressed by Tech and their showing against Oregon. Yeah. I, I can't believe I'm saying that out loud, but I was impressed. To to me, the the Wyoming thing was like even yeah, like, that's weird. Something that happened. That's just I'm willing to write that off for some reason. I am so kinder to Texas like Tech than Baylor. Holmes, though I'm I'm not I'm not worried about Texas. No, no, no. And so, so but it, you know, so if they go into the bye week at three and three, I think that would be. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think that that gives you a chance to regroup. That gives some of this, these young players another good week of practice. It gives them a chance to get healthy. Obviously, you hope that Blake Shapin at that point is, like, really kind of back to, to what he had been. And, like, the, the latter half, like, they go to Kansas State. That's not going to be very fun at all. No. But <laughs> every other game, I think that they have a chance to win. Um, I, I wouldn't favor them. Probably... on the table. <laughs> so, like, you know, I think that it's... And again, if you if you in that last run, you know, it's it's six games. If you lose at Kansas State, let's just say that they were to beat TCU, right? Like that's then I think you're feeling really good about what this team is heading yeah. forward. Whereas again, last season, when you look at how things happened, they started good and it consistently got worse. I think mm-hmm. that with this team, they have an opportunity to start bad and steadily get better to where you know, in the bowl game, Halfway maybe there. they beat Air Force next year. <laughs> you know, like maybe they, but you know, Perhaps. maybe they have a good bowl performance. And you're talking about it more like where we remember the 2012 team, for example, where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. this is setting up something. Um, mm-hmm. To the to the uh, 2018 team, where it's like, okay, they found themselves a little bit. This is setting something mm-hmm. up. Now, again, I, I don't want to pretend like it's not on the table that this completely falls apart. I like it absolutely is on the table, but I right. don't think that after this past week. It's it's not a player's issue. It's not a talent mm-hmm. issue. It's not it's none of those things. I mean, they just have to grow up. And and I th- I think all I was trying to figure it. out was is it foolish to feel encouraged by ninety eight percent of what I saw against Utah? And I, I think you're I, telling I, me it's okay to feel encouraged. It's a safe place sure. to feel encouraged, understanding that it's unknowable past LIU, but it's safe to feel safe safe to feel safe <laughs> i need you to take off your reporter hat for a second and evan i need you to put on whatever other hat you have Just and would you i need i need <laughs> to know a journalist hat for evan. exactly yeah <laughs> some other hat i don't care i need to know how you would feel personally about seven and five with a tcu win versus eight and four with mm-hmm. no discernible win or loss you can choose whichever ones you want do you feel anything different between those two? Um, I mean, I think that having a more signature victory would definitely be a good thing for the program. I mean, going for on the, the fan base, win, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, uh, I, I mean, look, I think that for them to get to, I mean, they're already, by the way, at <laughs> they're already at two losses, right? So yeah. Like, 
if if they lose two and don't have a signature win, I don't even know the math of how they could do that. Like, neither do I. To, I mean, it would either be Kansas State or TCU, like right. one of the so two, right? Either of those would be good wins. So massive like, but, wins. But in in the hypothetical sense, right? I think that it is more important that they have a moment, that they have uh, something that excites the fan base. If they were to if they were to finish six and six and beat Texas, like I think that people Ooh, would feel I don't know, okay. Though. I mean, That's six yeah, and six, though. Yeah, I, I get it. it. They're zero and two right now, man. Like it's it's going to <laughs> yeah. Take you're, you're right. You're it's, right. It's going to take them going six and four the rest of the way, including conference play. So it's so like five and four in conference is what it'll take to get to six and six. They have to have a winning record in conference because of how they started. So mm. like I get it, but like this is not an eight and four conversation unless they're going to compete for the conference. Well, that was the plan. What that was my plan. Here's what I don't understand. How come two-thirds of this conference get to be stinky as hell forever and ever, and we can't we can't take a year and a half off? You know? Who who wins it more than us in the last decade besides Oklahoma? Why can't we stink for a year and a half? Why isn't the pressure up on Texas Tech to play in a conference title game? You know? Evan it legitimately you, might you, be Evan it legitimately might be our fault. For all of the so? things we have said. <laughs> listen, so? man, listen. All I'm going to say, uh, and and Joey McGuire, if you're listening, I still love you. I still, but like, you don't get mad at the Chicago Bears for not winning the Super Bowl. Like, you don't mm-hmm. do that. That's not something mm-hmm. that you have to do. <laughs> Go to- <laughs> you, you, you get mad at the Pittsburgh Steelers. You get mad at relevant teams for, for not mm-hmm. winning at the highest level. Now, okay. obviously, if you get to that level, right, the expectations for Baylor, because they've won over the past 10 years, is to win. And you look at sure. all three of the non-Jim Grobe coaches uh, that have come through, all of them have at least played in a Big 12 title game and a New Year's Six Bowl. So, like, mm-hmm. But all of them have had one of the worst teams in America during that span. So all I'm saying is... Our our whole shit, you know, we're not recruiting at a top How 10, many of top them 15 did level in year four. That's the issue. Yeah, well, I guess I guess what I'm saying is like, isn't this kind of what we do, right? We get we get old and we get strong and then we kick everyone's ass and then we hit the reset button and we figure it so, out again. And I know it, it stinks to go through that journey, but is that not what we have done? So, and I think that's actually the thing. Damn. Again, I was ha- I was having a talk with some friends, and I think that one of the the issues that they've actually had is that they don't have per se a timeline for the roster. They're trying to be good mm-hmm. always and every time, right? And so you see them last year. They rotate through some of the best players in the entire country on the defensive side of the ball, along mm-hmm. with a sixteen hundred yard rusher, along with a second mm-hmm. round wide receiver, and they're just kind of like, all right, we're gonna get really veteran again and try to do it over again and it didn't work and so i think that the big concern about last season is there it wasn't really a developmental season at the end of the day they didn't Mm. really actually get to continue to get older because most of the people who were major contributors on last year's team aren't here anymore so right i do think that you know we see this uh I, i think that if you're baylor I mean, in some ways, I, I think the comparison is to a Kansas State. Uh, it is to yeah. one of those programs that it's like, it's not yep. that you need to be competing for the Big 12 every year, 
It's that you should be building towards a season or two of competing for the Big 12 every two or every, three years. Yep, every three years. And and that's, I think, what has been most concerning is that last year wasn't really a developmental year. They didn't really have young guys who got a whole lot better. This mm-hmm. year, I think they're actually playing more young guys who are getting better. But you wish that you would have had this season last yeah. year so you would have sure. had an opportunity for those guys. No, I agree. I get that. I think the only qualms I have with that, because I think the logic is down there and it makes sense, but like what what you're describing is something only five, six teams do in America, you know, across the whole country, you know, only, you know, the big names of people that are, you know, the I always joke that every, like, um, of all the teams that haven't made the playoffs, Baylor is number one and number two, you know, there's two different Baylor teams yeah. that have been the most snubbed. So it's like, I, I think that's a realistic thing to expect. Timbo Fisher is going to come for your ass. <laughs> but like, you know, who, who is competing for a conference title every two or three years that isn't recruiting blue chips at every position? You know, right. I mean, we, we are the top of that next rung, but that next rung incru- includes dipping into hell on our way back up. 2014 really, I think, ruined a lot of this fan base. Yeah. They're just like, well, you know, obviously, everything hurts. A whole defense, and you know, just Andrew Billings gets to be awesome, and yeah, you just bring in an all-pro cornerback. Why don't we just do mm. that this time? Let's just do that. Bro, I was a Penland CL in 2014. Can you believe that? The last year before they tore that bitch down. I watched that uh, playoff show in the the old Penland lobby, and it smelled <laughs> crazy. <laughs> yeah, that was a uh, that oh. was definitely something. I got uh, getting to like talk to Kirby Hokett for the first time after like obviously he was the actually it was Jeff Long mm. at that time, I guess, right? Yeah. Also, also met him, and that's just like, hey man, so like you didn't really believe all that stuff you were saying right like yeah that's so nasty that is so nasty i think the big 10 colluded i think the i i think the easy choice is to be mad at the playoff committee the the wise choice would be to ask wisconsin why they gave up a trillion points (laughs) to ohio state to get them in that's the conversation i want that's the thing we can't we can't even be mad about it that's the thing they went on to win the the whole damn thing you can't even be mad at ohio state so back in uh back last year actually i got to do like the mock selection committee at the college football Mm -hmm. playoff and they relitigated 2014 because obviously it's a great test case right because it's so like interesting and by the way like the 14 playoff has not been very interesting the past couple of years but like they basically said like Oh well, you know, neither of them were named like a true conference champion, so they don't necessarily have like that tiebreaker. I'm like, well, then that's like the whole thing. Like that, then, mm. then it's over. Like that's yeah. then like there's no discussion, right? And so it's, I understand how they got there. I think obviously it was wrong. Now, my thing too is like, all right, well, if you're gonna pick who I think was the best team, like I think that GCU might have been the best team, right? Like I think that they mm-hmm. easily could have won the national championship if they had gotten in at number. All one. right, all right, all Gary right. Patterson's not calling plays late in the game, of course. Sure. All right, but uh, that's enough. That's but, enough. You know, ultimately, ultimately, all that say, like Baylor has proven they have the ability to compete at the highest level, and it's not going to be every year, like you said. It is unreasonable, frankly. For a team 
to expect to compete for the Big 12 and for national contention every year. I mean, they finished number five in the country in in mm. 2021. And also, by the way, mm. the starting linebacker of the Buffalo Bills and one of the best young safeties mm. in all of football were also on that team. Like yeah, two guys who exactly are going right. to potentially be Pro Bowl level. Mm. And a charger safety, too, for whatever uh, that's worth. And before sure. people forget, I called all that shit that happened. That people forget that. I you called did. every single thing that would happen. That's why I haven't written anything since, you know, well, go out on top. <laughs> Shahan, thank you for reopening old wounds and helping dress the new ones. I do appreciate it. What, what's the, what's the, what do you have to plug? What's the new thing up on the various websites and tickers on different TV shows that we can go read? Yeah, well, you asked me to, to plug something that I just did, and I'm not going to do that. I'm going to plug something that I'm hopefully going to have coming out next week. Uh, I think that everybody in the country right now should be humongous Oregon State and Washington State fans, and they're yep. about to play a game next mm -hmm. week, both as ranked teams, yes. for the first time since 2003. Beaver and fever, baby. So it's uh, it's going to be an exciting one. So I'm talking to some people from both those athletic departments and I'll have something coming out on them next week. I Heck yeah. love it. Where Can't can people find you online? Yeah, you can find all of my work at CBSports.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Shahan J. Raja and uh, yeah, check it all out. Perfect. Evan, I will give you 15 seconds. All right, listener. Anything listen, you got. We don't, we don't need to be all doom and gloom. All right, we've stunk before. We'll probably stink again. And here's the thing. We're still going to beat Iowa State, and they still won't win 10 games this year. So, hey, what can you do? More bears. <laughs> I think I can make I love that it. happen. Second bears. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks for joining. Yeah. Please refrain from shooting lasers onto the field. <laughs> a little bit cheeky with it. Show both my bears.